Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 013. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, we celebrate Easter morning and the launch of our new worship series, Life in ADHD. The Easter story is familiar to many people, both believers and non-believers alike. We often know the what, but how often do we consider the why of the story? Why did God the Father raise Jesus from the grave? Why does it even matter in our lives when the Monday grind comes? At least a sampling of the answers coming right up. You ever have a day when you feel like this guy? Yeah, like that guy. You ever have a day when stuff like this happens? And your head is just like... If you've ever been there, you know that you're lucky if it only happens for a day. You ever feel like at least 64% of the moments in your life are squirrel moments? So, I was at Wegmans the other day and squirrel! Now, I am a single car pastor with three kids, all half Dutch and... Well, that last one kind of just about covers it all. Okay. I get squirrel moments. There are some times in life where life just takes us in a million different directions. And we're trying to take it all in and trying to, you don't know where to look. And it's just like your head is spinning off the rails. You don't even know what to focus on. You don't even know sometimes how to focus on it. So if you've ever been there, you picked a good Sunday to be here. Because today, Easter Sunday, we're going to cut through all the squirrel moments. And there could be plenty of them. And this time, we're going to focus on what grows us. Let's pray together. God, this Easter Sunday, transform us through your word. Even if we've heard this story a hundred times before, let us hear it like it's the first time. Amen. So how am I going to make a message about focus out of the Easter story? Well, it all actually starts with the passage that I'm choosing. And yes, it is a part of the Easter story. It's out of John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and told Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, And said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the first disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been laid on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place all by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples returned to their homes. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if this story is new... Let me catch you up a little bit. 
Because we are now in really the final chapter of a story that's been taking place for a little while. At least the last week of what I'm going to recap here. Jesus Christ has come into the town of Jerusalem, probably about a week ago, and he has been upsetting a lot of the local leaders around. He's been upsetting the religious leaders, the priests, the Pharisees, by claiming in no uncertain terms to them that he is God. Upset a couple of religious leaders. He's also been upsetting the political leaders, the governor, Pilate, by claiming that he is king of the Jews. And when you're in politics, anybody else who claims to be king is trouble. And for their own reasons, the religious leaders and the political leaders decide this man has got to go. We need to be rid of this Jesus of Nazareth. So they put on this mockery of a trial. I mean, it would make Jerry Springer look like a a journalist of integrity to see the trial that they were putting him through. They ultimately tortured Jesus, put him on a cross, and quickly buried him. And that comes to today, this chapter of the story, where the women, Mary, comes to the tomb early in the morning because the Jewish people are very, they hold traditions very highly. And so there's a, there's a whole tradition and a whole anointing process that gets a body ready for burial. And because they had to take Jesus' body down so fast, they didn't have the chance to do all of this. And so she goes on the third day, Easter Sunday, and goes to sort of finish this ritual on Jesus' body. And at this point, each of the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all cover a wide variety of perspectives and points of view. And you have some that are introducing angels, and some that are introducing guards. Some are talking about the gardener. One of them, I'm surprised it's only one, was talking about an earthquake. I'd have thought an earthquake would have made it into at least two gospels, but I didn't write them. Sermon upon sermon, upon sermon, upon sermon, has been preached on all of these points of views. Libraries have been written about this one question, did Jesus really die? Believe it or not. And before you know it, Easter can start to look like this wall where you don't know where to focus and you don't know which way is up and where's the center and your head starts just spinning and going nuts and it's a million squirrel moments about this one story. And John's gospel pairs it all down, wipes out all the squirrel moments, and all he does is he, he takes the resurrection story and he puts it into three points. Mary walked up to the tomb, and the tomb was empty, and there was no body. John goes up to the tomb, and there was no body. Peter goes into the tomb, and there was no body. Starting to catch a little bit of the drift. Nobody expected nobody. They arrived, and the tomb was empty. Through all the squirrel topics, that is the main thing. Now you may ask, great, why does this main thing matter to me? I'm sure, okay, it was this, this great event, and I'll grant you that. It was a unique event. Maybe I'll even call it an unexplainable phenomenon because I can't quite bring myself to use the word miracle. So, okay. If that's running through your head, it's a fair question, fair points. Because the truth is, no matter how awesome Easter is to pastors, 
And how glad we are when all the preparation is finally done for it. Invariably, 24 hours later, we're back at Grind It Out Monday. So let me answer the so what question. <coughs> let me answer why the main point matters. The empty tomb, the main point, gives us hope in hard times. You ever wanted to help somebody out, but you couldn't? Maybe you've had a loved one who is going through a struggle or is in pain, and you've wanted to be able to switch places with them so that they didn't have to deal with it and you would take it on for them. Parents often experience this when their children are hurting. I've had to experience this, fortunately in small doses. It can, I know it can certainly get a lot worse. But where I've had loved ones that are in the hospital and there's nothing I can do about it to ease their pain. And it's helpless. It's a sick feeling to be in that spot. Maybe you know what I mean. You want to make somebody feel better and you can't do it. You want to do something good, and you don't have the power. And all you can do is just stand there, helpless, powerless. But the empty tomb shows one major difference when it comes to God the Father, that God is not powerless. There was this guy named Paul who went through all kinds of hard times. He went through murder attempts, beatings, shipwrecks, You name it, he'd probably gone through it. Maybe even multiple times. And Paul writes about these hard times to some of his friends. He says, indeed, we, the people he's with, felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we would rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He who rescued us from so deadly a peril will continue to rescue us. If God can raise the dead... And actually, that's dead plural. That's not just like one time you raise Jesus and that's it. This is raises the dead people. Then there's hope in hard times. A hope that leaning on that very God who raises the dead can help us to get through it. Now, it may not be easy. It may not even be painless. But that hope is that God can help us to get through it. Come up on the other side. The empty tomb the main point. It gives us new birth into a living hope. Now I know I'm using the concept of hope twice, and maybe it sounds like I'm going to repeat myself a little bit here, but can anybody use a little bit of hope in life? Maybe? All right. I'm glad I'm not alone up here. So when Jesus comes into our lives and we receive this new hope, which is a whole different message all in and of itself, we have a hope that even death itself can't contain. That's what's unique about this idea. See, the truth is, within this community, I have lost count of how many deaths we've experienced in the last two weeks. I think I stopped at about five, and it just keeps on going. You want to help know what a helpless situation feels like? Try finding the words as you walk up to a granddaughter, a wife, a niece, a brother, and try finding the words that are going to take that kind of pain away. Pure helpless. And here's a little hint of something that I have learned over time. There aren't any. It's one of those times when the pastoral thing is to just shut your mouth and just be. Paul writes to other friends about the death of loved ones and tries to offer them some kind of hope 
And he says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, main point, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. Jesus died and rose again. That is the empty tomb. That's where Paul's hope lies, even in something as unthinkable as the pain of losing a loved one. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe recently, maybe even years ago. Time doesn't really matter here. Maybe you have a loved one that has a terminal illness, and you know there's going to come the day when you're going to have that experience, unspeakable as it might be. I won't say that this makes it easy. I won't say that pain of losing somebody, no matter how much hope you have, that it doesn't hurt. But because of the empty tomb, there can be hope even in the midst of that hurt. And that is something we can hang on to. That is one of the reasons why the main point matters. The list goes on, though. The main point matters because it gives us forgiveness from our sins. See, here's a fact of life. If you are a human being, you have sinned. We have disobeyed God. We've done things that have ticked God off or not done things that God has said, hey, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. And sin has a cost to it. It separates us from the God who gives us hope, gives us abundant life. And God has a right to demand payment for that cost, that that cost be paid. And Jesus chose to pay that cost for us so that we didn't have to take it on ourselves. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, empty tomb, that cost is fully paid. Because the tomb is empty, our faith has a purpose. It has a reason. It has a why that forgiveness can be ours. One more thing. You have to ask for it. As God works in the background, we kind of come to a point where we, we realize we have to say, I want hope. I want abundant life. I want forgiveness. Jesus, can you give it to me? You can be as honest as that. So as I close out this message, I'm going to give you a chance to do your next step right here and right now. And I'm going to offer it in two different ways to two different groups here. First off, if you have Christ in your life, right now I'm talking to you guys and girls. First, know that you have life that you have hope, that you have forgiveness because of that decision you've made. And so as I close us in prayer, offer words of thanks for that gift. The words don't matter. They may echo mine. They may be yours. They may be just spilling out in the language of a first grader. That's fine. It's more what's on your heart than the words you use. They don't even have to be poetic. Secondly, if Christ isn't in your life, now I'm talking to you guys. Hope Life, forgiveness, can still be yours. If you're hearing this with your words and you're seeing me with your eyes, guess what? You still have a chance to receive these. So I'm asking you to say, Jesus, will you give me hope? Will you give me life? Will you give me forgiveness? I accept your offer. Now help me, however it is you're going to do it, to live a life that says thank you for that gift. 
Again, just as I said to the first group, the word choice does not matter. Doesn't have to be poetic, doesn't even have to be English. If you can do it in Greek, by all means, go ahead and do it in Greek. The fact is, God raised Jesus from the dead so that you could have hope, have life, have forgiveness. Don't leave here without them. Let's pray together. God, thank you for giving us this gift of life, of of the possibility of a relationship with you. Help us to live those lives that say thank you. If we've never accepted that gift before, help us just to to say, God, Jesus, can I have this gift? Can I have this forgiveness? Will you come into my life and give it to me? Help me, however it is you're going to, to live a life that just says thank you. All this we pray and know that you are faithful in, in seeing these kinds of things through. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, have you ever had an unexpected house guest just drop in for dinner? If so, perhaps you remember the chaos that can result as you try to get everything ready. If not, well, it's not that hard to come up with your own scenario of mass chaos. For most people, that just requires one glance at their calendar or their to-do list. What happens when we settle for good instead of stretching for better? Find out next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.